You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Good evening, church. Glad to be back in the house of the Lord and uh, glad to see all your faces again. Of course, still masked, but hopefully, prayerfully, uh, we'll be able to move out of that in the near future. We'll keep praying for these changes and for the health of our, our, our province and, and all of that. But tonight we are going to be continuing our, our series, our month, this month's series of Back to the Basics that we started off last week. Our intent, as you, if you remember, is to go back to the basics of, of some of our Christian practices so that we can reignite passion and, and, and in these disciplines and these practices, um, wherever we have maybe dwindled in passion, whenever, wherever we may have uh, lost that fire in these disciplines and practices. So with that said, if you have your Bibles, please stand with me as we turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we'll be reading from verse 1 to 13. Last week we covered uh, going back to the Bible. And uh, hopefully uh, throughout this past week you implemented some of the truths and the practical aspects that we talked about in this in the previous sermon this week uh, we're going to back we're going to the next topic in our series and hopefully you'll also put that stuff into practice as well Luke chapter 11 verse 1 to 13 says this now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his sons ask for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to, do, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we declare your holiness. We declare your praises this evening. We declare, oh God, that you alone deserve all the glory. And I pray, oh God, even as we enter into your presence, as to sit at your feet and hear from your word. 
that you would cleanse our hearts, O God, and our minds, that you remove any distractions, Lord, any hidden sin, any unconfessed fault, Lord, that might lead us astray during this evening, that might distract us from truly hearing from your word, truly hearing from your spirit. God, we thank you for the privilege of hearing from your word, for diving deep into it and learning from you. And God, we just ask that as we enter into this time that you would change our hearts, that you would reignite passion in these things that we'll be speaking about tonight. That God, you would turn us, oh God, from the way that we have been going in repentance that we might truly come to a life that is changed by the power of your gospel. Help us in this endeavor, O oh God. We need your help. Use me as your instrument of peace, I pray. In Jesus, your mighty name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Tell someone beside you or around you the title of my sermon tonight, Back to Prayer. Back to Prayer. And then, of course, you may be seated. Back to prayer. We've been teaching my son Judah how to pray for quite some time now. Uh, he doesn't. He, he's he's not talking a lot, right? He has a few words, but but right now it's more so actions, right? So whenever we're having meal time, right, we, we say Jesus, thank you for everything. Right, and he's catching on to that, and he does it. And sometimes he rolls his eyes as he does it, but you know he's he's a good kid. But more recently, he's been he's been paying closer attention to how we pray during uh, at night before we go to bed as a family. We we pray, and and so there's no hand motions. It's a longer prayer, and he's he's noting noticing the difference. And so now, whenever we pray. He wants to pray these long prayers. He doesn't want to do the, you know, Jesus, you know, thank you for everything, short prayers. He wants the long ones now. He says, Dada, Dada, pray. And so we'll have to go, okay, Lord, thank you for this day. And, you know, we get into this whole prayer. And, and he's smart because he knows when we're trying to take shortcuts, right? It's like a long night or something, and, and, and we want to get to bed. And it's like, Dada, Dada, pray. Okay, Jesus. No, 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 Dada. Dada, dada, pray. I, I, I'm praying, Judah. Jesus, no, 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 no. And it's like, okay, fine. Lord, thank you for this. And he'll start, you know, trying to pray alongside us. So all of that to say, he, he's learning how to pray. And he's getting a, a, an idea of what sincere or genuine prayer even looks like at our house. Now, similarly for us tonight, we are going back to the basics of prayer, or sort of relearning uh, how it is to pray. Specifically, though, the posture of prayer. And for our application this evening, we'll also discuss what's the content of prayer. But I think it, it, it's a little redundant for us to discuss why we need to pray. Because I think for the most part here, we all know that as believers, we need to pray right? To commune with God, to cry out to God. It's part of our relationship with God that we go to Him in prayer. And, and regardless of, of the frequency of your, of your prayers or, or the content of your prayers, uh, we all pray to some degree. So I think that's already covered. So for, so for us to discuss why we need to pray, it's like preaching to the choir in, in a sense, right? Instead, what I want to discuss is specifically where our hearts ought to be when we pray. 
our posture mentally and, and spiritually when we pray. Because our posture in prayer will ultimately determine the, the frequency of our prayers, the, the content of our prayers, and even the passion in our prayers. And again, that's what we're looking to address in this series, in this Back to the Basics series. If you feel like your prayer has your prayer life has dwindled or that you're that you don't pray enough or or that you feel like when, whenever you pray like you're, you're hitting a brick wall i want to suggest that it's a posture problem i want to suggest that it's it's not how you're praying or or when you're praying but the posture of your heart when you pray if you don't address the posture of your heart when it comes to prayer, your prayers will feel more like a pending wish list rather than a fruitful time communing with God. Listen, when our posture in prayer is proper, our practice of prayer will prosper. I know it's a little cheesy, but... When our posture in prayer is proper, our practice of prayer will prosper and that's what Jesus is addressing in our passage as well. Let's jump into our text. Everybody say jump. It says at the beginning of our passage, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. The disciples are, are, are sort of like my son Judah. Uh, they saw Jesus praying and they wanted to learn how to pray as well. So Jesus teaches them a structure of how all prayers are, are, are meant to be or ought to be. Notice how the, the disciples didn't ask to teach them a prayer. They asked how to pray. They asked to teach them how to pray. So Jesus gives them this blueprint of how to pray, which we'll discuss later. But now notice right after that, how Jesus, how after Jesus instructs them how to pray, he goes into a parable talking about the posture of prayer, uh, talking about this persistent friend who, who comes to, to his, uh, uh, his neighbor, his friend, to ask for some food. And then also after that, he talks about the comparison between earthly fathers and our good heavenly father all of which are pointing to a posture of our hearts when it comes to prayer and that's our goal for us tonight as well to address the position of our hearts when it comes to our times in praying in, in prayer so that our practice of prayer may truly be filled with passion and grow and be alive again when our posture in prayer is proper our practice of prayer will prosper Okay, so how, what should our posture be according to our passage tonight? Well, well let's go back to the blueprint of Christ's uh, prayer, right? The, our Lord's prayer. Um, how does it begin? It goes, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You might get some differences in the ESV because uh, there's some, some passage or some lines there that uh, weren't in some of the original uh, text, but you'll see it in the other occurrence that the Lord's Prayer uh, takes place in Matthew chapter 6. Notice as well that the difference there in between the two prayers is because each time the prayer is said, it's in a different context. Matthew 6 is during the Sermon on the Mount. This prayer is more, more intentional within his disciples, the inner circle of the disciples. So that's why there's variations there. But the first posture that we get from the Lord's Prayer is that of reverence. Pray with reverence. Pray with reverence. 
I've heard many sermons preach on the Lord's Prayer, and oftentimes where preachers will start when exegeting this prayer is with this first phrase, our Father. And oftentimes you'll hear, see, God is personable, like a father. That's why we can freely come to Him. That's what makes Him, uh, that's why, that's what makes prayers very intimate and accessible. We get to address God as Father. And that's all true, right? It's a, I, I agree 100%. And prayer is an avenue in which we can uh, exercise our sonship in Christ. But sometimes in the process of this, we make God so personable and so relatable that he just becomes merely a figment of our sentimentality. Because it's daddy God and you know we, we, we lose all sense of reverence of God in our prayers. And that shouldn't be the case. Yes, God is our father. But the fact that He is our Heavenly Father should already inform us that He deserves more honor and respect than our earthly fathers. And this is primarily why this opening line of our Father is in the context of, Hallowed be your name. Because though He is our Father, His name is still meant to be regarded as holy, set apart. That's what we're praying when we, when we say, Hallowed be your name. We're not just declaring that God's name is holy, which represents the, the entirety. By the way, His name represents the entirety of His being, the, the many facets of His being. We're not just declaring that God's name is holy, that He is holy. We're also petitioning that God's name would be seen as holy, regarded as holy, revered as holy. And where does that start? In our own hearts. That's what we're praying when we say, Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed, hagiazo, literally means to sanctify, to set apart, to make holy, to regard as holy. So understand that this is a petition, a request to have God's name revered and regarded as holy within us. Reverence is where all prayers must start. A deep regard, a deep respect for who it is that we are praying to, that we are speaking to. I think oftentimes we forget whose courts we are entering into when we pray. This is the holy, holy, holy God that we are speaking to, the King of the universe. Every time we pray, whether it's a prayer you know, at night or we're praying before the meal, we are entering into the courts of the holy God every time. Listen, access does not diminish awe. Access does not diminish awe. In fact, if anything, it should increase our awe, our terror of the living God, because now we have access to His holy throne room. Remember in the Old Testament, the, the people could not approach God on their own out of fear of being consumed because of their sin and being consumed in God's holiness. They had to go through a high priest just to enter into God's presence. And even the priest himself had to cleanse himself, make sure that he was pure so that he too would not be consumed. But now for us, who are on the other side of the torn veil, who have been purified by the blood of the Lamb, our high priest, Jesus Christ, we can freely enter into God's courts and make our requests known to Him. But understand that God has not changed. The holiness of God has not changed. He's still a consuming fire. He's still holy, holy, holy. Access does not diminish awe. Uh, maybe we can think about it this way. For those of you who work in an office or maybe a warehouse even, maybe your boss has an 
open door policy at work. Where you can come in at any time and discuss your matters, your, you know, um, your problems, your issues with him or her. But let me ask you, does that open door policy give you freedom to disrespect your boss? To disregard the authority of your boss? To, or, 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 or does it still, does it still require you to convey respect to them? If that's the case for your earthly bosses, how much more our heavenly Father? How much more the Holy God when we enter into His courts? Church, we must pray with reverence. We must remember every time whenever we open our lips or we open our hearts to pray who it is that we are speaking to. Yes, God receives us like how a loving father receives us. God, like a loving father, inclines his ear to us. But don't forget that above that ear lies a glorious crown. Now everything stems from this posture. If you're feeling like your prayer life is passionless, remember that you are praying to an awesome God who saved you and gave you access to his holy presence. If you're not praying enough, Remember that the king of the universe summons you to his presence to commune with him. Pray with reverence. At the start of every prayer, here's a suggestion. Ask that God's name, God himself, would be made hallowed in your heart. That your time in his presence would be sanctified, set apart. That your heart and your mind would revere and regard him as holy as you enter into his courts. Pray with reverence. The second posture that we see in our passage is pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. To elaborate on the posture of prayer, Jesus tells this parable about a man who goes to his friend's house in the middle of the night and asks for some food for, to serve his guests. Um, but having been disturbed in the most inconvenient time, the friend w- replies, do not bother me. The door is now shut, verse 7, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. This is very relatable to parents, right? Once the kids are in bed, sorry. So no luck for this guy who came to his friend. But Jesus says in verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, because of the inconvenient time, and because just because he's his friend, he won't get up to help you. He, yet because of his impudence... The original Greek there means audacity or shameless persistence or relentlessness. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. Jesus is saying the guy in in need is not going to get what he asked for just because the guy is his friend. He's going to get what he asked for because of his persistence, because of his tenacity to come even in the middle of the night in this inconvenient time just to ask. The guy is going to get what he asked for because of his desperation, his persistence in asking. Church, our prayers must be persistent. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16-18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in you. To pray without ceasing doesn't mean that you don't get breaks in between prayers. No. It means that Jesus, it means what Jesus was just talking about in that parable. It means that be, it means to be persistent in our prayers. 
If you have a request from God, something that you know can only be answered by Him, keep praying, keep praying, and keep asking, keep asking. Be persistent in your prayer. Don't let up, don't relent, don't give in to the temptation of abandoning hope, or taking matters into your own hands, or or thinking that your prayers are unanswered, or that God doesn't care. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Be persistent. Listen, persistence is a demonstration of faith because you keep coming back to the person, to the one that you believe can answer your prayer. Persistency in our prayers is declaring to God in faith, God, you are the only one that can answer my prayer. You're the only one that can open this door in my life. You're the only one that can give me answers. You're the only one that can show me what I'm looking for, that can satisfy me in what I need. So I'm coming to you. I'm turning to you. I'm not going anywhere else, God. That's persistency in our prayers. Listen, I'm not talking about praying these repetitious prayers that you hear about, these monotonous prayers, right? Prayers are not meant to be repetitious. They are meant to be tenacious. Prayers are not meant to be passionless. They are meant to be relentless. That's what Jesus is getting here, even in verse 9 of our passage. He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You know, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I hear this, this passage quoted, this phrase is always said in a very lofty or ethereal way, right? You know, ask, beloved, and it will be given to you. Or, or and seek, and you will find. And, and the door will be open to you if you knock. And it's very calm and, you know, weird. But that's not the tone of the passage. The story is about a man who is banging at the door of his friend in desperation in the middle of the night. The Greek word there for knock literally means to beat a door down with a stick. We are, we are to ask in desperation, persistently seek, beat the door down with our prayers. Later in Luke 18, Jesus talks about uh, prayer again and gives a similar parable about a widow who comes to a judge asking for justice and Similarly, Jesus says the same thing. Luke chapter 18, verse 4. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Then Jesus connects it to our prayers with the Holy God. He says in verse 6 of that, And the Lord said, Hear what the, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Jesus is saying, if the unrighteous judge will eventually give in to the widow's request, how much more our good God, our gracious heavenly Father, our loving Savior. But then Jesus adds this to to the end of that passage. He says, nevertheless... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Faith like this widow who who comes relentlessly, who comes persistently to this unrighteous judge, knowing full well who can help her. Will he find faith like that? Again, persistence is a demonstration of our faith. Church, let me ask you a question. If we were to examine your persistency in prayer, 
What would it reveal about the measure of faith that you have? What would your tenacity in prayer say about your quality of faith, your quantity of faith? When was the last time you got down on your your knees and cried out to God in tears, crying out in faith and beating the door down in persistent prayer for whatever it is that you know that God alone can answer? Church, be persistent in your requests. Don't give up hope. Keep crying out to God, knowing full well that He alone can give what you ask for, knowing that He alone can show you the way that you need to go, that He alone can open that door that you are knocking on. Pray with persistence. Now I know this may be hard for some of you who have been praying and not hearing or or not finding Or for the longest time you've been praying and the door has still been shut. And as a result, your passion and prayer has dwindled and maybe unbelief has grown. Because you're not seeing the results, you're not seeing the answers that you're seeking, you're looking for. This is why Jesus talks about in our passage, the third posture that we're looking at tonight, pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. Confidence that we are praying to a good God, a loving Heavenly Father, a God who cares about the requests that we bring to Him, a God who who hears the petitions we pray, and a God who does answer prayers. Jesus says in our passage in verse 11, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, listen, if our earthly fathers, even the most despicable among them, knows how to give good gifts to their children, how much more our good Heavenly Father? This is the confidence that we are to have in God as we come in prayer. And let me remind you, church, that God answers every prayer that is prayed. God answers every prayer that you pray. Every time you pray, God either says yes, no, or wait. He answers every prayer. Our problem is that two of those three answers is not what we want. We don't want to hear no, and we don't want to hear wait. And we get discouraged and conclude that God doesn't answer prayers, when in reality, He's just not giving us what we want on our timing. Listen, God is not a cosmic vending machine that you just pop in your order, and then poof, immediately you get what you want. No. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and His timing is supremely better than ours. So whether God says no or wait to your prayers, have confidence that His reasons for saying no or wait, that His plans for you are far more superior than your plans or your timing. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, it says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all what we ask for, 
or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Church, pray with confidence in the God who is able to give abundantly more than what we ask or think and who does answer prayers. Pray with confidence. Now let me touch on a side note here on the idea of confidence before we move on. Because I, I know, at least in my own life, during the times where I've failed God, where I've sinned, or I, I've, uh, there's, I've found fault in me, I, I'm more reluctant to come to God in prayer. Whenever I've sinned, I know that I, ha- I, I feel more hesitant to come to God in prayer. Maybe it's the guilt that turns to shame, that turns to unbelief, that turns to resentment. All of it culminating to this sentiment of feeling unworthy or ashamed to come to God. To enter into his presence, to enter into his courts, to commune with him. Let me say, even in those times when it's hard to pray, even because of your own sin, come with confidence. Confidence that despite our failures, despite our sins, despite our shame, God lovingly receives us, draws us into his presence. And understand, it's not because of you that you're allowed to go into his presence just because, you know, even even if you're sinful, it's because of our great high priest who mediates before us, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Even in sin, even in your failures, even in your shame, draw near to God. Have confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ that covers all our sin. Don't wallow in it. Don't wallow in your sin. Draw near instead. Maybe it's a question about feeling worthy. Oftentimes after we fail God, we feel unworthy to come back to God. Listen, you were never worthy. The only worthy thing about you is the blood of Jesus Christ that covers your sin. That gives you access to the mercy and grace of God. So pray with confidence. Now before you all go praying for mansions and new cars. I'm going to pray relentlessly now and confidently that God gives me a 1970 Chevy Chevelle SS. Even if my my wife doesn't want me to get one. Let's go to our last posture of the night. Pray with guidance. Pray with guidance. Verse 13 of our passage. Again, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I find it interesting that the disciples asked to be taught how to pray, and the conclusion of the lesson is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. The Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. 
What Jesus is saying to his, his disciples and us is that at the end of the day, we receive from the Father the Holy Spirit who helps us to pray. He will show us what to pray for, when to pray. The Holy Spirit will help us be persistent in our prayers. The Holy Spirit will help us have confidence in our prayers. Romans chapter 8, verse 25 to 27, it says, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when we don't have the words to pray. And what's important to note is that those prayers are in accordance to the will of God. Not our will, not our wants, not our desires, but the will and desires of God. That's what the Spirit prays for. This is why we are to pray with guidance, to pray in step with the Spirit, with the mind of Christ, with the will of the Father. This is what keeps us from praying for things that aren't in God's plans or will for us. So sorry, you can't just pray for more money and more honey. That's not it, right? You need to pray in accordance to the will of God in your life. Listen, do you know why we, we end every prayer in the name of Jesus? It's not a cliche tagline that we add at the end of every prayer. No, John chapter 16, verse 23 says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. We pray in Jesus' name because our prayers are meant to be on behalf of Christ himself of Christ's will. Meaning, we are saying to the Father that our prayer, what we've asked for, is what Jesus would want. It's that it's in the will of Christ. We're asking on behalf of the Savior. So maybe think twice about what you're praying for and what you're tagging with the name of Christ. Because if you're praying for something that is not in the will of Christ, you are misrepresenting the Savior. This is why it's important that we pray with Guidance Again, in step with the Holy Spirit, with the mind of Christ, with the will of the Father. Now on a side note, this is also why we don't pray to Mary or the saints or angels. Because our prayers are already meant to be in sync with God's will. God, what the Holy Spirit desires for us to pray. Again, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the model of the prayer. It's also why we don't pray to, to Mary or priests, or we don't need Mary or a priest to mediate for us, because the Holy Spirit is already interceding for us, as the Bible says. Jesus is the one mediator between God and man, and the Father Himself is already drawing us near. So why do we need anybody else? We have direct access to God in our prayers. That's, again, the great joy that we have for people who are on the other side of the torn veil. We get to go to God directly. So in some application to that, think about what you're, you are praying for. Is it what you want or what God wants? Is it in the will of Christ? Is it in step with the Holy Spirit? 
If you feel like your prayers, whenever you, you come in prayer, that you're hitting a brick wall, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Maybe you should be praying a different way or asking for something differently. In those times where you're feeling like you can't get through, ask the Spirit who can and has already given us access to get through. Pray with guidance. So now let's go back a little and break down the prayer structure that gives that Jesus gives to his disciples because this is so we can have some um, practical application or, or sort of a structure to our prayers. Again, remember that the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. They don't ask for a prayer. So if you want to pray the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's totally fine, but understand that it's meant to be a structure of how our prayers are meant to be. And a good easy way or a good guideline for us to, to, to remember is the acronym ACTS. And remember, maybe you've heard of this before, ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplications. This is a good order to go by as well when you're praying. Firstly, adoration, right? It's our, that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Again, that's us declaring and adoring who God is. It's, uh, as we talked about earlier, this is also, it sets our hearts in reverence of who God is. It reminds us of who it is that we're praying to, the courts that we're entering into. A good practice is to praise God for who He is and not what He's done at the beginning of your prayer. Thanksgiving comes later. But just adore God for who He is, His character, His holiness. Start with that adoration. Then we move into confession. And that prayer again, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is the act of clearing the slate, so to speak, asking God to reveal to us any hidden sin, anything that we've offended Him with that, that maybe we've missed or maybe we were not conscious of. It's asking the Holy Spirit to bring to mind any, any faults, to bring conviction to any sin that we have failed to address. Because again, God is holy. He is the King of the universe and what right do we have to enter into his presence if we have rebelled against him, if we have still sin lying in our hearts? It's the posture of the tax collector in Luke 18 where he, where he would not even come close to the altar of God and not even look up to the heavens, but, say, but he would say, look to, his, to the ground and beat his chest and say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the confidence that we have is that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the hope, that's, that's the joy that we have in confession, in confessing our sins to God. And after that, of course, we have thanksgiving. This is the part where we thank God for what He's done. The blessings in our lives. It's again giving praise to him, but instead of praising him for the, his character and his nature, we are thanking God for, for the ways that he's provided for us, for the ways that he's protected us, the ways that he's preserved for us, preserved us. It's recognizing the prayers that have already been answered. And it's also a time for us to thank him for, for the prayers that have not yet to be, have not yet been answered. Thanksgiving. 
James 1.17, you know, one of these popular verses, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, comes from our Father who is in heaven. And I love what it says there because every good gift and every perfect gift, there's a distinction made. Good gifts are the things that are inherently good that God gives us, that God blesses us with. You know, our families, the gospel that saves us, all these things, our salvation. Thank God for that. But the perfect gifts, or rather the, 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 the gifts that are being perfected are the things that, are, that aren't inherently good, but God is turning for our good. That's what perfection means in this passage. The things that are, are, are not inherently good, but God is molding and shaping throughout and turning into good for our lives. And that's our trials, that's our struggles, that's the pain in our lives. Thank God for them as well. Thank God for the struggles in your life because you know that He's turning them for our good and His glory. We thank God for the both of them. And then, of course, supplication. Supplication, right? Give us this day our daily bread. That's the asking part. We're very good at this part, right? We have a long laundry list to ask God, and we're very needy people. But notice what Jesus says in, in this structured prayer. He says, Give us this day our daily bread. The request is for today's bread. It's not for riches or, or beyond measure. It's not for an overabundance of something. The phrase denotes a contentment, a satisfaction in what God provides for today. It's like the Israelites in the wilderness when manna started falling from heaven. The command to them was just only take enough for that day. Don't save any for tomorrow. And please hear me, I'm not saying that you don't save up money or, or you don't prepare for tomorrow. It's not about that. It's about trust and contentment in God for today. Matthew 6 verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So bring your requests to God. Make your petitions before God. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. It's a faithful structure of how we ought to pray. Church, if you feel like you, your, your prayers have been dwindling or you, you feel like your prayers have been passionless, check your posture. Check your heart. Are you revering God as holy is your time in prayer set apart? You know, we see all throughout the Old Testament and uh, the, the direction of, of how the prophets went into a private room, into a closet just to pray. Because, not because they needed privacy or anything, but because that time was sacred. It was set apart as they commune with the Holy God. Are you being persistent in your prayers? Are you asking God, day and night, crying out to Him for whatever it is that you, you have need of. You have confidence in Him. I know, that, like I said, maybe you've, you've been praying and praying and you've been waiting for a while and maybe that confidence has dwindled, but remember who it is that you're praying to, our Heavenly Father. Are you praying with guidance? Are you praying in line with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, with the mind of Christ, 
in pursuit of the will of the Father. Church, let's get back to prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. And as they do, I want to give us a bonus round. All right? This point is not on the slide. And here's a bonus point for you all because you have been good tonight. Same, how, same thing as we, how we ought to pray with reverence and we pray with persistence and we pray with confidence and we pray with guidance. We're also called to pray with others. We should be praying with others. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, after Paul goes through the, the list of the armor of God, how he concludes that list, He says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So it's not just about how you are praying for yourself and your needs, but how you are praying for each other. We are called to pray for one another. Because we're not meant to do this Christian life alone. We're not meant to, to wander this world with all its trials and tribulations alone. We are called to walk with each other and pray for one another. So can I challenge you with something, church? Let me give you a little bit of homework this evening, yes? Because we're going back to the basics. It's kind of like school, right? classes in session once again. Let me challenge you, challenge you with something. Before you leave this evening, pray for someone. Pray for someone. Before you go out those doors, pray for someone. And listen, I know you might be thinking, man, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I struggle with praying out loud or praying in public or Listen, it doesn't matter. You're talking to God. You're talking to God, similar to how God said to Moses, who made the eye to see? Who made the blind? Who made the mute? It doesn't matter what your, your difficulties are. You're talking to God, the one who created you, that gave you a voice so that you could not just sing worship and praise but so that you can pray. Let me tell you, from the conversations I've been having in, in these past weeks, past months with, with, with our members, there's people who need prayer. There's people who desire prayer. Maybe they, they, they are hesitant to come and, and ask for prayer themselves or to bring up their concerns. Or... That's why I'm challenging you, church, to go to them instead. Ask the Holy Spirit, as we talked about, ask for pray with guidance. Ask the Holy Spirit to highlight someone in this room tonight that you need to pray for. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to put someone on your heart to pray for this evening and pray with them before you go. Church, let's be a praying church. Let's all stand. time, I just want to invite you in this time of reflection to just pray to God. Like I said, maybe you've been struggling with prayer for quite some time. Maybe a sin in your life has made you feel ashamed to come and pray. But the the invitation is plain and clear for you to come, to draw near to God and to receive mercy and grace. Ask the Holy Spirit where it is that you need to grow in your prayer life. Ask the Spirit where what you need to pray for. Ask the Spirit to burden your heart pray for the needs of others. Oh gracious God, who is holy, 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 who is a consuming fire, tremble before you in awe and wonder of your great majesty and the mercies and grace that you have afforded us by the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for where we have wandered and strayed. For the idols in our lives, for the hidden sin Cleanse your people, O God, so that there would be no hindrance, no taint of sin, no hint of rebellion in our hearts. That we might fall at your feet this evening in repentance, desiring for life change. Remind us of the blood of the Lamb that covers us, that washes us clean, that invites us into your holy throne room. We thank you, O God, for saving us, for being with us, for the help that you have provided us, for the people, the church, our brothers and sisters that you have surrounded us with. We might not have to do this life alone. That we can walk with and struggle with and pray with. 
we thank you for all the ways that you have protected and provided and preserved us throughout the many trials that we face in this life. We thank you that you are a God who answers prayers, a God who cares for our needs, a God who sees the, the cry of our hearts, the unspoken prayers. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for interceding on our behalf when we do not have the words to say thank you again, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who mediates before us, before the Father, who defends us, who stands with us. Lord, you know the requests, the petitions that have been made by your people. And I pray that you'd help us persist Help us endure to keep coming back to you in prayer, in hope, in confidence, O oh Lord, that upon your timing, you will answer. Oh God, please do not leave us the same. Let us be a changed people, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh God, for the heart cries of your people this evening whatever they may be I pray oh God that you would meet them Lord that you refresh us oh God with the hope the joy of our salvation that you bring us back to pray You strengthen our faith, O oh God, through our our prayers, O oh Lord. And we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.